Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Mom, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight because when they do they change they become clever mischievous what's going on here and dangerous Gremlins, huh? little monsters right Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Gremlins. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo, and joined again by one half of the one half. Your co-host, Kyle, for the moment. Kyle is here today. Yay! Terrence is still under the weather, so Kyle's rolling with me today. Mm -hmm. uh, today, we got a fun movie to talk about, episode 89. We will talk about Gremlins. A classic in practical effects. Kyle, let's question. go ahead and start the... Uh, I got two questions for you. Number two one, questions? Number one. Okay. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? And number two, Ooh. which gremlin would you be in this movie? Which gremlin would I be? I know in this which movie? gremlin you would be in this movie, but I just want to see if we go up with the same conclusion. 
you know, all gremlins love fried chicken, so I know which one I'd be. <laughs> Any gremlin eats fried chicken. But the first question is, uh, yeah, yeah, I consider it largely a Christmas movie. Christmas happens during it, and it's uh, there's a lot of Christmas in the story time. And, it's, and, and actually, Gizmo was a Christmas yeah, present. Gizmo was a Christmas present. So I think I think it fully qualifies as a Christmas movie. Um, I don't know if you want to watch it with your little kids, but <laughs> you'll be all right. And uh, I can't remember the names of some of the characters. I mean, I... I ah. Yeah, uh, Mogwai maybe or one of them, not Stripe. No, maybe not. No, no, the, the Gremlin, not the not the Mogwai, the Gremlins. Oh yeah, okay. So Stripes maybe. Uh, I don't know, maybe Stripe. No, <laughs> that's who one. you would want to be. You oh. you would be the one that's hanging from the uh, ceiling fan. The ceiling fan. <laughs> what? Either that or the one that's over there and he's chewing on the street light things and makes it all green. <laughs> I can see you doing something evil like that. So. Living the dream. Living the dream. That's where I, that's where, that's where I always want to be, Jimbo. Just eating, yep. street, just eating can wires. <laughs> so, Kyle. Yes. Since Terrence isn't here, take it away for him. Okay. We have Gremlins released in, uh, let's see, get the release date right here for the official release date, getting all even more specific. In 1984, we came out in the theaters on June 8th. And had a re-release next year, August 30th, 1985. Awesome. So we're almost came out then. It was directed by good old Joe Dante. Right, written by Chris Columbus. Composer was Jerry Goldsmith. And cinematographer was John Hora. Um, budget for the movie was $11 million. Um, worth approximately today about $29.5 million. Opening weekend, it grossed just $12.5 million, and um, with inflation, that'd be equivalent to about $33.5 million. But luckily, gross worldwide, it made over $153.6 million, which would be equivalent to $412 million today. <laughs> That's a lot of cha-chingas. Big, big money, big money. <laughs> no Emmy stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> um, um, quick little plot summary. Uh, miniature green monsters tear through the small town of Kingston, Falls. Hijinks ensue as a mild-mannered bank teller releases these hideous toonies after gaining a new pet and violating two of the simple rules. No water, no food after midnight, and no bright light. Hilarious mayhem destruction in town straight out of Norman Rockwell, so when a washing blows up your TV, go to those on the fritz before you call their repairman, or turn all the lights, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There may just be a gremlin in your house. You know what? I think I break every single one of those rules every day. I eat after midnight. Oh, yeah, all the time. I'm, <laughs> I hardly go outside in sunlight. Yeah, we, we are both living gremlins. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. Some technical details of the movie. It has a runtime of 106 minutes. Its sound mix is 70 millimeters, uh, sick track. Um, it's a color movie. Aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1. Um, a camera is a Aeroflex 35mm lens and a Panavision PSR R200. Uh, film length is 2,912 meters. And wrestling on papers. And the printed format was 35mm Easton 5384. Uh, and I do believe, if I remember in my notes, I think this is the last time it was shot. Uh, the last film shot on that Eastman, Eastman camera, right? Yeah. So, so interesting little little process there of going from old to new for the time being. Next up, we have Terrence's favorite part. Unfortunately, he can't be here today. And we have the Drumwall Awards. All right. Following through the first awards, we have the 2020 Online Film and Television Association giving it the award for Film Hall of Fame. Wow. 
Yeah, congratulations. So it's already just securing in place even later, even, even recently in history. Then next up, we have the 2012 International Film Music Critic Awards um, for the best archival release of an existing score. It had a remastered soundtrack just released back in, I believe, 2000, well, 2012. Next up, we have the Academy of Science Fiction and Fantasy and Horror Films in the U.S. of A. It was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actor. It won. It won the best supporting actress award, best supporting actress reward for Polly Holiday. Then we have nominated for best makeup to Greg Lakeva. Then it won best music by Jerry Goldsmith, best director by Joe Dante, best horror film, nominated for best writing for Christopher Columbus, won best special effects for Chris Wales, obviously, and nominated for best performance by a younger actor Corey Feldman. Next up, we have the 1985 Golden Screen in Germany Awards, where it won the Golden Screen Award. Next up, we have 1985's Young Artist Awards, where it won Best Family Motion Picture in the Adventure Genre. And that is the awards for Gremlins. <laughs> then moving on to my main course meal of every single... <laughs> main course meal. My main course meal of every podcast, where I get to devour my words and lose all sense of speech. We have the cast of Gremlins. First up, we have Zach Gilligan playing Billy Peltzer. Um, he could be recognized in movies such as Waxwork in 1988, Mortal Passion in 1989, and All Tied Up in 1993. Then we have Phoebe Gates playing... Phoebe. Phoebe, Phoebe Gates. Phoebe. Sorry, I said Phoebe. <laughs> do you have a Phoebe. phobia of Phoebe? <laughs> phobia of Phoebe. We all do, everybody. <laughs> Phoebe Gates. No, playing... Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Jimbo, do you want to cast? <laughs> All right, Phoebe, Phoebe Cates. Cates. Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates playing Kate Berenger. You know, um, you just alienated a whole bunch of the '80s people that watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> Sorry, world. I try. I try. Of course, you must recognize her from the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High, released in 1982. Um, Paradise, really, also released in 1982. Drop Dead Fred in 1991, and Private School in 1983. Next up, we have Howie Mandel playing the voice of Gizmo. I was so close to saying he played Gizmo. He's just yeah. in, in the suit. Yeah, But unfortunately not. The voice of Gizmo. Um, Howie Mandel, of course, most popular for his uh, TV show um, uh, host stuff, where he hosts the show Deal or No Deal. Um, and America's Got Talent. And he also appeared in the 1989 film Little Monsters. Oh, wow. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Corey Feldman playing Pete Fontaine. Um, he can recognize such films as The Lost Boys in 1987, Boo. Stand By Me in 1986, Not The Goonies in yeah. 1985, <laughs> and of course, the legendary 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> legendary. I like how you put that. Of all those movies you named, Legendary exactly. Turtles. Not Stand By Me, Team and T. It's where it's out, baby. Um, <laughs> Next up, we have Hoyt Axton playing Randall Peltzer. He was in such films as Christmas Comes to Willow Creek in 1987, Buried Alive in 1990, and We're No Angels in 1989. Then next up, we have Dick Miller playing Murray Futterman, or Mr. Futterman, as he's constantly called in the film. <laughs> uh, legendary actor in his own light, or a bit-time actor. Um, he was in The Terminator in 1984, The Burbs in, 19, in 1989, and The Howling in 1981, and finally Small Soldiers in 1998. Going forward, we have Key Luke playing Mr. Wing. 
Um, Key Lu Luke was uh, most known for playing Lee Chan, the number one son in the Charlie Chan film series, and the original Kato in the Green Hornet oh. series. And the original of those TV serials, or movie serials, I believe they were called back in the day. So, Key Luke, legendary actor his own right there, especially for um, Asian American actors. Next up, we have Frank Welker, uh, who voices Stripe, Mogwai, and additional Gremlin voices. Um, Ralph, uh, he also known for playing Ralph in the Animaniacs. Fred in the Scooby-Doo series for most of the most of the roles, and basically, if you watch any cartoons in the past fifty years, then you've likely heard this man's voice. So Frank Welker, legendary voice actor, actor in his own right, yeah. like, you know, just literally hundreds of roles. So, dude's a legend in his own right. Next up, we have Frances Lee McCain playing Lynn Pelter. Um, she was in films such as Scandal in a Small Town in 1988, The War Widow in '76. Leap of Faith in 1988, and Footloose in 1984. <laughs> Classic Kevin Bacon. And finally, we have Judge Reynolds playing Gerald Hopkins. Best known for appearances in his films as Beverly Hills Cops 1-3, through 3, The Santa Claus Trilogy, Ruthless People in 86, and Stripes in 1981. And that is the cast of Gremlins. Now, I, there's one cast member I think that you failed to mention that I thought did a really good job in this movie, and that's the lady that was going to take the dog Oh, uh, cut off yes. his head! And <laughs> she's like, "There's things I can do this time." Mm -hmm. She also has the famous scene where she gets in her like her uh, wheelchair or her uh, uh, stair master, I guess you call it, and sits in it and the gremlins shoot it out the window. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. See here if I mention that real quick. Uh, oh gosh, I miss it is something I can't. Uh, yeah, Miss An I believe it was Anderson. I believe if I remember correctly. Um, oh, Mrs. Harris, uh, Belinda. B Balaski, Balaski played Mrs. Harris from The Howling in 1981. There we go. I had that one somewhere. Somewhere <laughs> digging. Great role she around. played. I thought it was very, yeah. very Wicked Witch of the West. -y. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right, Jimbo, take it away. I, I, are you done? You out of breath? I'm out of breath. I got I got, I got phlegm. I don't know. What's right. the word phlegm? No, um, sure. Mucus. If huh? you've ever watched mm -hmm. Gremlins, then you might be surprised that the uh, set for Kingston Falls is the same one used for what movie? Back Ooh. to the Future in 1985. Really? Both movies were filmed on the Universal Studios backlot. And actually, I do believe later on in the notes we'll see that the theater that they blow up is the same theater that Marty... That, yeah, yeah, almost drove into. Okay. Yeah. Or did he drove into? Did he drove into when he came back in I think time? it was like... I think he did. One of them, yeah. When he came back in the first movie, he, he ran to the theater, <laughs> if I remember correctly, um, with his car. According to the uh, original script or whatever... Stripe and Gizmo were going to be the exact same character. So basically, oh, yeah. but they turned it down because they didn't want people to fall in love with Gizmo and all this. And, and then, then all of a sudden, be, yeah. So yeah. they figured by putting in two different things, you know what I mean? Because they wanted Gizmo to be the hero and have a bad guy. And they didn't think kids would really react well to seeing that. Yeah. This is an odd film, too, for how much, you know, it goes so hardcore in the violence route, but also <laughs> but still wanting to be a comedy. kid movie. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I still love it to death, but it's so, it's, it's very odd. <laughs> um, this movie and also Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom from 1984 are credited with inspiring the MPAA to make the PG 13 rating. because. Yeah. There's some stuff in this movie. I don't know how I say the PG. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in Cantonese, Mogwai means devil, demon, or gremlin. The Mandarian pronunciation is Mogwai. Uh, Zach Galligan recounted in an interview that uh, when this movie was made, 
there was no CGI, so all of the gremlins are actually animatronics. Yeah, practical effects all the way. Each one costing between thirty and forty thousand dollars a piece. There's a lot of gremlins out there. Yeah, so you just think how much of that fourteen million dollar budget was just just the gremlins. So effects. when all the cast, the majority of it. Yeah, honestly. when all the cast and crew left for the day. Uh, security had to make sure everybody opened up their trunks of their car so they didn't still steal. Can you imagine? Yeah. I want one for in here, you know, just a life-size animatronic uh, gremlin. <laughs> I, bet, I bet. I bet you could. I bet they sell those things. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Right? Give me one. That'd gotta be great. One of, I gotta get a gremlin Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this might be the craziest fact of all, but they were originally going to have a monkey sure. play the gremlins. <laughs> but the monkey panicked when they put the gremlin... <laughs> Mask head on him. Like, this is not and okay. And he went and tore the guy's office up, and he f- defecated everywhere. <laughs> so the guy's like, now nah. he's, he's like, well, I guess animatronics <laughs> it is. Then. We can't use this monkey. He's a grumbler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, one fact that later on, uh, <laughs> just, um, the um, the original mythology of gremlins actually existing in each mythology is a, somewhat of a real thing, and actually they made a horror film kind of recently called uh, Shadow in the Clouds, um, basically kind of a similar concept of a uh, World War II fighter planes actually being um, uh, destroyed from the inside by gremlins infesting inside the machine. Oh no! Really, actually, a pretty, you know, pretty good movie. I liked it. But I just recently saw it. We're like very depiction because that's a very CGI heavy monstrous animal. Just. <laughs> You know, At least you know. one of Phoebe Cases screams, or as Kyle likes to say, Phoebe uh, <laughs> screams at the scene Phoebe. at Dory's Tavern is genuine. An enormous cockroach crawled out in front of her during one of the takes. <laughs> oh man! Gosh, uh, this this you know why this film didn't do so well at the box office or not as good? It was released on the same day as Ghostbusters. Yeah, you can't beat so, Ghostbusters. I mean, what a great year for movies. Mm-hmm. 1984. Oh, yeah, 1984, I think. Uh, a lot and of me, and Kyle, me and Kyle were talking about this earlier. There's a lot of sci-fi throwbacks in this movie. Um, when Randall Pelzer is on the phone with his wife at- attending the convention, if you look closely, the time machine prop from the, uh, yeah, it's in the time machine movie yeah. in 1960s is in the background. And then... The robot from the what, the Forbidden Planet. What was his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But then also, when you look back, the time machine has disappeared. So keep it true to his homage. It just we don't know if it went back to the future, yeah. uh huh, or uh, you know into the uh, past, whatever. That, like secretly, like his dad is like responsible for all the terrible things in the world. They should when they made Gremlins too. They shouldn't have made it about his son. They should have made it about the dad causing another travesty. <laughs> Actually, I think that lady's name was Mrs. Deagle. Was it Mrs. Deagle? Yeah, oh, because okay. she's the richest lady in town and. All of her cat's names are after different kinds of currency. She had Kopec, Ruble, Peso, Drachma, and Dollar Bill. <laughs> see if I can find that real quick. Uh, yeah, I probably just miscast it then. Whoops, my bad. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be the podcast without at least one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got to pull. Oh, uh, Mrs. Deagle played by Polly Holiday. There we go. There, there we go. go. You got it right. There we go. Okay. I almost um, pulled Terrence. <laughs> The director of this movie, Joe Dante, actually prefers Gremlins to the new batch over this movie, which is a great movie too. I, I crack up in that. Same time that you couldn't, you couldn't possibly enjoy Gremlins two without first seeing Gremlins one. I think. If you just I don't know, Gremlins man. 2, it's, I mean, Gremlins two is also great. It's like really it. over the top. Gremlins two is. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's got Hulk Hogan in it for crying out loud. Yeah, hey, yeah. you cut off the movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it's like that's probably like the first sequel I remember, like just making fun of the idea of sequels. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, you got the la- the 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 lady. 
gremlin in there, remember? Mm-hmm. Then you have the, the, the one electric that's gremlin, like, the, the spider one that's gremlin. like the spider. Yeah, yeah great movie. Great effects in that whole film. Yeah, really impressive stuff. Um, near the beginning of the movie, uh, Randall Petzer makes his way to the curio shop in Chinatown. A wrecked <laughs> car is seen with the hood up and smoke coming out of it. That car is an AMC gremlin. Mm. In real life, the AMC Gremlin logo located on the gas cab bore a striking resemblance to the Gremlins <laughs> featured in this movie, except for a more grotesque reptilian appearance. Ah, that's classy. <laughs> the Gizmo done. puppets were frustrating because they were smaller and thus broke down more. Consequently, to satisfy the crew, a scene was included in which the Gremlins hang Gizmo on a wall and throw darts at him. This was included on a list that the crew created known to them as the horrible things to do to Gizmo list. Oh, that inspires me. That inspires me. I, Jimbo, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. If we didn't have Gizmo and the Gremlins, would we have a Grogu in The Mandalorian today? Sure, because it's Yoda. <laughs> you know but I mean? a miniaturized, even smaller a puppet, a real puppet. Yoda. Yeah, you think we would have had it today if we yeah. didn't have if Gremlins didn't exist at all? If they even tried, never tried to get a little puppet that small. Yeah, they, they made would. him adorable. Oh my god! Yeah, I think I think Gizmo is the precursor to Grogu. Okay, do you, would you rather have a Gizmo or Grogu as a pet? Oh. Grogu actually has the force. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but Gizmo could drive a battery-operated Barbie car fresh out of the package with no batteries and, in you know, it. I, so I, does he have the force I, too? Yeah, you know, but also like you know, as, as you know, as much as furry animals are great, they also shed a lot. You know, I don't think Grogu's going to shed. <laughs> you know, so there's think, not a lot of rules with him except. Uh, Grogu, except don't touch exactly. that. You can <laughs> feed Grogu at midnight. It's not a big deal. <laughs> you can't stop me from eating. Remember that one episode where he's eating the, yeah. the ladies' and plus, eggs? If you, get, if you get Grogu, you probably get that little pod that floats around everywhere. <laughs> you probably take the little pod. Grogu, around. bring me a water. <laughs> Grogu, give me a beer. <laughs> wow. This is derailed real quick. All the uh, possibilities. Endless. In the bar scene, the video game that the Gremlin is playing is Star Wars from 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, during one night shoot, problems with the gremlin puppets were so severe that the entire cast <laughs> fell asleep on the set for during the delay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that that has to be a problem. Um, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but the animatronics back when uh, Showbiz was in, before it, became Ch- it was Chuck E. Cheese, it was Showbiz. And like Billy Bob was up there, you know, and uh, the ape and all of his, I can't remember the name of his band. band and miscreants. Yeah. yeah. They were all animatronics, but I can't imagine working with them with it so long that they break down all the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, this is a scene I wish they would have kept in here. The original script contained a scene where the gremlins attacked a McDonald's eating the customers instead of the burgers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving it. (laughs) This is the funniest thing ever. (laughs) There's like another version, like an alternate universe of this film that goes even so much darker, just full R-rated Well, it was supposed to be darker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even goes like, he just goes full, like, like like imagine like the Rick and Morty creators made the Gremlins movie now or something like that. All the animatronics just eating people alive and butchering to death. Like hilariously and like incredibly dark humor, but still fun. <laughs> uh, Zach Galligan was the first to point out that the "don't feed after midnight" rule is silly. Why do you think he said that? Well, obviously, got to figure in. Like, yeah, he, he knows about time zones, so he's going to make right. fun of that. It's yeah, midnight so somewhere. It's, it's, it's midnight all everywhere. The time. What does right. it mean? It's like, does that mean when the moon's up or something like that? It makes no sense. And Gremlins Two made like that's why I said parody. the direct, makes fun of all those rules. The director said we made fun of it in Gremlins Two anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's a ridiculous rule, but still a fun one. And plus, you know, it's, you know, the Gremlins are magical. They're fine. You can do what they want with them. Uh, Hoyt Axon has actually said to have improvised nearly all of his lines, even though he stayed 
to the basic concept outline of the movie. We need this for this scene. Do we want? <laughs> yeah, and this, like I said earlier, the last movie to be shot on Eastman Color 125T film stock, which was discontinued shortly after this movie finished filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons for the no bright lights rule was why? Do you know? Uh, was it a was it a filming consideration or was it just a- filming? Yeah, because. Working with animatronics, they can hide some stuff. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, good point, yeah. Uh, so Keep being in the dark, they could camouflage some of that stuff. Um, True, a lot he of did the, Dante did the same thing with Tricky and Lumpy practical effects for the Howling in 1981, three years earlier. Uh, they kept the monsters in the dark there to hide some of the special effects problems too. And it's true, like even like well CG early on too, like Steven, like the Jurassic Park having him in a, having the T Rex in a dark environment disguised how kind of like how low res those practical those actual digital effects were, and still true today. A lot of like a lot of films are afraid to have brightly lit CG characters. Yeah, so along with Howie Mandel and Frank Welker, uh, Frank Welker, uh, some of the other voices of the Gremlins were done by Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow, I didn't see that in my casting. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh, no, it's, I, I should do more research. Yeah. Always should do more research. <laughs> Every movie is a book. This is very interesting. Uh, Francis Lee McLean, mm-hmm. McCain, sorry, uh, who played Billy's mother in this? Lynn, yes. Also played Lorraine's mother Stella in Back to the Future. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> yeah, when he goes back in 1955. Yeah. So yeah, they were both executively produced by Steve Spielberg. When Billy leads Pete up to the room to show him the Mogwai, a rolled-up movie poster for The Twilight Zone, the movie, can be seen standing on end against the wall. Director Joe Dante and executive producer Steven Spielberg directed segments of that movie. So it's a nice... I like how they always throw in those little things. Yeah, and unfortunately don't get many of those things today. It would it'd be more fun to see posters of other movies in, in movies today. Like, you know, like... like Marvel does occasionally does star references in their movies, but still, you don't see enough of them. Really. Right. I want to see the dumb posters on the wall. <laughs> Uh, this is the fourth biggest grossing film of 1984. Uh, Gizmo was the inspiration for, I'm sure, one of Kyle's childhood uh, toys, the Furby. Uh, it was a multi-million dollar selling mechanical stuffed animal in the late 90s. Did you have a Furby cop? No, no, no. I never had a Furby. Never did. Never really? Did. No, no, no. I never never really cared for him. I thought they Did looked... you have a Taga- Tagachi or whatever the things were? Tamagotchi? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I never had a Tamagotchi either. I always liked um, like Lego stuff, like the uh, Bionicles, and uh, oh, they, they made Rock'em Sock'em Robot toys there, yeah. too, where you could take them apart and put them together in new configurations. <laughs> always love those kind of toys. Um, yeah. If you pay close attention on the Deagle real estate sign... The hours of operation are only 10.30 to 11.15, Monday through Friday. That is like my kind that of work. Is, that's my kind of schedule right there. But I guess when you're the richest lady in town, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when the filmmakers were making this, they had the idea to use Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs uh, from 1937 as a movie to be shown in the theater because Disney released it on December 21st, 1937 as a holiday movie event since the story took place during the Christmas season. Excellent. Another reason why it kind of fits more in the Christmas scene. Um, the new Mogli, which popped out of Gizmo's body as small furry balls, which then started to grow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that did read right. That did <laughs> not come out they right. They were actually uh, balloons. more about Gizmo's small They were actually balls. balloons and air bladders that were expanded. <laughs> wow, let's just skip that fact. That was terrible. Why is there always one one fact I say that Kyle just takes it to the tenth degree? Wow! All right, that's, uh, a, that's a fun fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. Sorry, uh, sorry. Phoebe Cates, as Kyle says, Phoebe, yeah, uh, Phoebe says kissing Zach Gallagher was like kissing your brother. 
and Galligan blames a set visit from Steven Spielberg for making him feel nervous. Sweet as I recall, Alabama. As I recall, his main concern was to make sure Gizmo was in the shot, says director Joe Dante. But how would you like Phoebe Cates, one of the most beautiful actresses, says, Ah, oh, just like kissing your brother. How do you feel as a, a Billy? Like, like, really? It's even worse than a friend zone, really. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Uh, the movie references Joe Dante's The Howling uh, with a smiley face image on the refrigerator door. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you didn't give the cast for the dog. Mushroom, the dog actor who played Billy's dog, Barney. That's a great name. Also played Lance Hendrickson's dog in the cold horror movie Pumpkinhead in 1988. That's a great name for a dog. Mushroom? <laughs> All right. These two were considered for the role of Billy. Tell me yes or no. Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Yes, I can see it. Emilio Estevez. Absolutely. Emilio. That'd be so good. It's a different movie, but a movie I want to see. <laughs> yeah, then Gizmo come out with some of the other Gizmo footballs that didn't eat after midnight. They'd be like the young guns. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, when uh, Phoebe Cates, as Kyle likes to say, Phoebe, Phoebe. Yeah. Uh, asked the explosive guy how big the explosion would be, he said, well, we've packed it pretty good. Cates <laughs> thought, what does that mean? She went on to reel in the event it was deafening and the heat was so intense I thought I had cinched my eyebrows. It blew the doors off the theater, as you can see in the film, and it shattered windows on a building at Universal a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> you would think so you would think be like, Oh, we're gonna blow this up. Let's get the actors out of there. No. You know? Oh no. <laughs> uh, Phoebe Cates, as Kyle likes to say, Phoebe. <laughs> uh Parents okay. gave her a moped to ride around during production, but they took it back after she had numerous crashes on set. Fantastic. <laughs> the Scottish alternative, best life, really. the Scottish alternative <laughs> rock band Mogwai takes their name from this movie. Uh, the coloring of Gizmo includes a, a the white patch of fur around the right eye was directly modeled after one of Steven Spielberg's dogs. Aw, it's adorable. Uh, this is the final theatrical movie of Scott Brady, who played Sheriff Hank. Uh, director John Dante wondered what happened to little uh, John Louis, who played the shop owner's grandson, and he often spoke about wanting to become a director. He became an MD instead. So that little I, kid became an MD. Yeah, I remember looking at his casting. He didn't have much on the cast line, so I, I left him off, but I didn't know he had much more story afterwards because it's yeah. like, oh, he, he did a good job there. You know, uh, especially, like, you know. Zach Galligan blamed the film's hairstylist for his embarrassing pre Kirk Cameron look. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely. That is. <laughs> All right. Uh, the marquee outside the, the movie theater, okay? The titles on the theater marquee are actually an in-joke for uh, the producer, Steven Spielberg. Mm, I remember seeing that. Uh, one, uh, Boy's Life was the working title for E.T., and Watch the Skies was the working title for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Director Joe Dante said, I think we did this mainly so that when Steven saw the dallies, he would be happy. Mm-hmm. So it was probably a surprise to him. He didn't know. Uh, yeah, probably delighted to see that. Can you imagine? I'd probably just crack up. There's a lot. There's a lot of in jokes in this movie. It was simply just from the producers just having and fun with each other. You know, this is something I didn't know either. That Corey Feldman um, was actually added to this movie when Steven Spielberg dropped his character from ET. I didn't know he was supposed to be in ET. Oh, wow. In both stories, he is the best friend of the boy who has the creature. Cool. <laughs> Can you imagine him in ET? That'd be great that, too. That would be yeah, a little bit different. Still the same though. I think like it makes sense to me. Uh, Phoebe Cates, as Kyle likes to call her, Phoebe, <laughs> does not recall auditioning with Zach Galligan. <laughs> so not, not only did she say it was like kissing her brother, she don't even remember the, just walking in the room. Oh, it's just a random guy, whatever. Yeah. And just, <laughs> just goes back to living in her own. I don't world. Even know who this doesn't guy even acknowledge is. his existence. She's awesome. I love her. Uh, <laughs> well, then might learn want to learn how to pronounce her name. <laughs> 
the two swords hanging on Pelter's wall appear to be the same props used in the climatic battle between Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Angel, David Boranaz, in the season two finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 1997. Mm-hmm. The swelling newborn Mogwai were simply our air bladders, like I said. Yes, so I don't yeah. want to go no, into that don't, don't go back because, there again. Uh, <laughs> Did I say they were blown up like furry balloons by puppeteers under the table? Furry balloons, yeah. Don't don't Google that, folks. <laughs> uh, the gremlin exploding in the microwave, which is personally one of my favorite shots of the movie, actually had to be shot after the first gremlin explosion was deemed too gory. <laughs> it was pretty gory to be what, what was the more gory know. version of that? I don't know, but when he, she throws his mom, Billy's mom was hardcore, dude. When oh, she yeah, threw the she one went and, on a killing spree. <laughs> put the one in the Jeez, blender? I, I like, know. Yeah, the mixing bowl thing and the yeah. microwave. There was, well, um, I read that uh, there was a scene, you know, the one that she, I think she stabs, or Blender, she stabs one yeah. of them or something with a knife. And I think when she throws the one in the microwave, if you look behind her, he was actually going to pull it out. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. It was, it was cut, though. So. Try and stab her in the back, right? Or back, yeah. Like, ah, cha, 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 cha. yeah. Phone um, home, snarls a gremlin, disconnecting Billy's call to mom and mocking E.T. into the, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was also, well, I think we get to it here in a minute, but they, it was going to be so violent that they actually wanted uh, E.T. to be there and have the gremlins rip E.T. in half or something. But <laughs> Just like a plushie or something like that. Have been like a little, like a no, it was the really, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the real E.T. would have been hilarious, but also like a toy hilarious. and rip oh, the, in there. The toy E.T. would be not hilarious, but the real would be The real E.T., that's that's bad. The portrait of Mr. Deagle is actually Edward Arnold, the golden Hollywood actor who played corrupt tycoons in several Frank Capra films. Hmm. Good choice. Good choices. The gremlin shooting at Kate instead hits a photo of a World War II era B-17, a nod to the fact that the term gremlin began as RAF slang. Mm -hmm. The biggest group of gremlins seen in the movie, um, uh, the biggest group of the gremlins were seen was at the movie. Uh, When not on set, the puppets were kept in an 18-wheeler trailer nicknamed Das Box after German U-boat thriller Das Boot. (laughs) (laughs) That is the silliest thing. Uh, the fountain uh, was filled with liquid nitrogen and stripes grise, uh, grim demise, grizzly demise, orchestrated by a puppeteer hidden inside wearing special protective gear. Oh, wow. Uh, Even protective gear. No, that's still I wouldn't be in there. I want to do. Yeah, no, no, no. When Dory's towering, a gremlin is shown dancing similar to the move, movie Flash Dance. <laughs> Funny enough, the two playing here, the Gremlins, which is Mega Madness, was performed by the same man who brought us Flashdance Maniac, Michael Sembalio. <laughs> While recording vocals for the sequence inside Dory's Taverns, the voice actors include Peter Cullen and Frank Wuckler. They got into character by drinking Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse to drink? Uh, I'm doing work here, guys. You guys keep doing your thing. Oddly enough, Stripe is the only Gremlin in either film to meet his demise by sunlight. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes and yeah, yeah, now it makes sense. Yeah. Cameos: Steven Spielberg as the man in the electric wheelchair at the science convention when Randall is on the phone. Mm-hmm. Also, Chuck Jones, the Warner Brothers animated le- animation legend, makes a brief on-screen cameo in the scene with Billy and Gerald uh, trading insults. <laughs> Jerry awesome. Goldsmith, the film's composer, is the man in the telephone booth at the science convention who glances at the camera. And James Mackerel, the television reporter, uh, Lou Anders, uh, Landers. Uh, the scene in the department store where Stripe attacks Billy with the chainsaw was not in the original script. It was added by director uh, Joe Dante and Zach Gilligan as a homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
1974. A little gremlin face. There's a lot of thro- throwbacks face. and callbacks to other movies and homage. Oh, yeah, this movie is heavily reverential, and it's uh, really impressive. Oh, here's what we were talking about earlier. The theater that blows up with the gremlins inside was subsequently involved in another accident with Marty McFly smashes into the front entrance. The theater then burned down with the rest of the buildings and the fire that happened right after the filming of Back to the Future Part 2. Mr. Hansen, uh, the science teacher, originally died with dozens of hypodermic needles stuck in his face. However, by request from executive producer Steven Spielberg, the scene was reshot with just a single needle in the buttocks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was very violent. That's so horrifying. Oh yeah. Can you imagine being a kid and seeing a guy with like several needles punched in his face? That would be traumatizing. Uh... (laughs) Oh, throwing them in a microwave's not? Well, no, like, that's that, that, that's happening to a gremlin. That's, like, putting <laughs> oh. needles in Sushin's face. Like, that's something that a kid might have to go through someday. And, like, the idea of, like, having a ton of them thrown in his face, that would traumatize a kid. The eventual fate of Pete, uh, Corey Feldman, is never revealed in this movie. In the novel, however, he is deeply saddened by the death of Mr. Hansen and he even blamed himself for it. He runs away from home and is never seen again. Oh, that's probably sad. <laughs> Gizmo watches a movie about a race car driver, which inspires his final battle with Stripe. The movie he's watching is To Please a Lady, 1950, starring none other than Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Good actor. Great actor. And Legend. the body count for this movie, Humans 4, that are confirmed, and the Gremlins body count 5, and many, many other Gremlins inside the I, movie theater. movie theater alone is like probably like 100, probably. Yeah. yeah. It's Kyle. Mm-hmm. I do have a question before I ask your thoughts on this movie. Okay. I'm up for it. Uh, at the end of the movie where Stripe goes in and he sticks his finger in the uh, water fountain mm-hmm. and he starts bubbling out and going to make a bunch of them. I have a question. How come when all the gremlins are traping through town in the snow, they're not producing more gremlins? Because ice is a solid and thus doesn't need to necessarily adhere to their body. But wasn't it snowing too? I'm, I'm going to say that like the gremlins' internal body temperature is so low. I'm going to scientifically explain this, break it down for you right now. When the uh, ice so in other words, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. The answer is, Jimbo, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just always thought that was weird because you said, don't get them wet. Yeah, don't get them wet. You know. But presumably, you know, like, you're still, people don't consider themselves wet they get a little snow on them. So even walking into the snow, you don't consider yourself walking through. Yeah, but you know, walking into work from like the parking lot that we used to work at. And you'd get in if it was snowing even just a little bit. By the time you got in, you were soaked. Oh, yeah. By the time you got in, you were soaked. But still, it just... And I think this is supposed to be like... Uh, what, no, not Chicago, but even even further north. Where like you get that cold enough snow where like it doesn't... like You can walk through it all day. You're not going to get wet because it's just that cold. <laughs> I think it's always ice. So I wouldn't say that Okay. Uh, so, Kyle, what yeah. do you think of Andrew was, It was filmed in California. It wasn't real <laughs> snow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, thoughts on the movie? Thoughts on the movie? I think this movie is remarkable. It it is a, a, a achievement in practical effects and is a uh, you know really great and innovating in a lot of things. Gay, like I said, we wouldn't have uh, Grogu and the Mandalorian without Gizmo and the Gremlins. I think uh, personally, I think that, and I think it's an excellent film overall. Um, it wasn't quite. I, I remember absolutely adoring this film as a child and watching it more than it's all. I think it's a little more. Uh, Cartoony and immature, <laughs> where it didn't it didn't hold up quite as well as my lofty expectations, but I still think it's a, a very good movie and well worth, worth watching. Um, probably not appropriate for little youngsters, even though it has, still has that PG rating. But it is definitely a strong PG thirteen movie in my mind of like uh, over slapstick kind of like over the top gory action. Like if you play a violent video game, then you can watch Gremlins. <laughs> but in general, it's an excellent film. Um, Jimbo, how do you feel about? Oh, Gremlins? I love it, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, just. I think the reason I like it so much is once the gremlins come out 
and the stuff they do, like the flash dancing, the the one that's hanging from the ceiling fan, uh, the whole bar scene, you know, where there's the ones and they're getting drunk and he passes out, and the ones like ah, ha, ha, you know, yeah. you got that one. You got uh, them throwing darts. You've got uh, the Christmas carolers. Yeah, you got them when they the, the one at the stoplight, like we said, and then when they're all watching Snow White, and they're all going hi ho, you know, they're all just singing oh, along. Yeah, they're so it's good. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just think it's a, it's a fun film to watch. Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, and then you had you had Gizmo, man. I mean, my daughter, or my daughter, my uh, sister's cat's name's Gizmo. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I just think that the nostalgia and all the throwbacks that it gave to the other '80s movies, and even before, with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, it's it's hard to find uh, a movie like this now. If they ever remade this, Kyle, do you think it could go into a horror genre uh, with a stronger R rating? Were to be more violent. First off, I would say like I would hate the idea of doing a remake of it because it would be one of those things where like they want to make a big franchise out of it again. They would use CG or practical effects. All those things would just make an just make an incredibly worse film than it is right. You know, it's a great film now, but a remake today, like modern Hollywood, can't make Gremlins in my mind. But if they did, I mean. Yeah, I would say, like, I think it'd probably be a better idea to go more into the, like, make it an adult movie where, like, it's still immature and zany and cartoony, but have it be that kind of hyper-violent, almost incredibly stupidly over gory, the top. over-the-top kind of movie where it's, like, it, you know, like, just lean into the slapstick, like, gory horror of it, of, like, a, like an old, like, like, I'm trying to think of another film that comes to mind, but, like, just, what's other films are like, almost, like, dumb saw levels of just gore and violence and then lean into that and make that the Gremlins movie versus uh, trying to make something that's like new and approachable for like a more a bigger audience. So that would be probably what I prefer to do. But in terms of like what they would actually do, I have no idea. Right. Jimbo, what do you think? I mean, if they're going to do it, I mean, this this film could have very easily went to the R-rated if they would have kept some of the more violent stuff in there. Like we talked about the needles in the principal's face. They go to McDonald's and eat the people instead of the burgers. Can you see them like? Yeah. Can you see them like going down a, uh, the assembly line for um, a McDonald's? And you know, you got your your two all beef patties except they're humans you know, going out and just, heads going out like, yeah 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 um, or like uh, uh, throwing them in the fryers of you know what I mean yeah the other thing like if, if there was ever like a hypothetical Gremlins 3 like if they did the whole practical effects and made a thing to do I would also make it like also again incredibly referential just just reference every every modern horror movie today like even like bring in like scream references or even like Friday 13th <laughs> I want them running like around that. with a ghost face exactly. mask exactly ghost face they... mask a hockey mask or Friday 13th Freddy Cougar with the knife <laughs> hands on a gremlin all that stuff would be hilarious and fun and zany for me I just don't see I don't see any Hollywood studio doing it nowadays no you know it'd have to be like a trauma fin or something like that now to have those kind of practical effects done to it and so uh, I, I don't think gremlins has a as a, as a a future film works in my mind but uh, you know it doesn't say they couldn't be done right <laughs> no well there you have it um, don't forget that we do have our first live show coming up uh, July uh, 16th 15th 16th, 16th. Um, it's one, one of around those. there <laughs> yeah I can't remember right now off the top of my head uh, there was a there was a problem with uh, to purchasing <laughs> tickets online um, go to the hillbilly horror stories uh, webpage and click on events and go to the live events. Um, I know they, we, uh, me and Todd from um, Middle Asian Creeped Out were looking at tickets. It said the sales for these tickets have ended. 
Uh, there was a problem. Jerry probably fixed it from Hillary Horror Story, so now they should be up and available to get. By the time you were in this podcast, everything should be resolved, and we should have some more details hashed out, so you'll be, yeah. you'll be ready to go. Yeah, hopefully. they're listening. Yeah. going to hear this next week. Yeah, so, so by the time next week, they should be hopefully right. resolved. You know. uh, yeah, no, it's already fixed. Oh, already fixed yeah. today. Okay, so, good, good, good. Um, sure. If you want to join us on our uh, Facebook group, the Tragedy Cinema Podcast group, we have a lot of fun on there, too. Um, even Kyle checks it every once in a while. <laughs> once in a blue moon or so, uh, you know. So, I know the interwebs. <laughs> uh, the interwebs. Well, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. Kyle? And cut. <laughs>